0: Categories every time we talk about a different context, a different system, because this is what is required if we're going to, you know, fundamentalize this knowledge situation which we're exploring. You know, this is what it is. This is how we. This is how this works. The 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 simple categories aren't really that simple to conceive of. As oppositions, just that is really what what is the difficult part. But but uh, with assistance, you can see how opposition plays out um, between these categories, and how we can tie the truth into the existence such as that you're experiencing it. Not that the truth has to be something that we experience after death or that we work through this material universe to overcome this material universe, to find this absolute truth is the end of the rainbow, but that the truth is is the... And it, this is another... another tr- it has to be the true now. It, there's no real... Um, illusion there's there's only what's true now is is everything that you're experiencing this is all true it's just that what you're calling it isn't what it is it isn't what it is because of various mundane conceptions about it that we have and no matter how advanced we think our science is or how enlightened we might think philosophy is generally these are mundane, are relationally mundane compared to even our spiritual conception as which is a, a personal conception uh, which is basically what we, we, what we should be preserving okay because like to not preserve the personal is essentially to defeat be you're defeated you're ready I mean, if you are a human being you you want to write out the list of things you cherish you value in this life and you will find that the things you cherish in this life are personal they they're the beings the the beloveds the, 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 the others they're the the self. And they are, in essence, that you would see anything but those lost. And so why would I be coming to give you the truth that wasn't going to preserve what is valuable? If, if I was, then you should probably chase me out of here, really, because that's what you should do. If someone's saying, this is the truth, and they're giving you something that has no inherent value in itself, as itself, then you need to be aware that that person is either wrong or life is a cruel, it's a cruel world. you, You may want it to be a cruel world or it may seem to you a cruel world, but the world is only as it is. It isn't as we subjectively might conclude it to be. For we know not of the error in our reasoning. And we aren't necessarily going to be right about the things we think about. We have childish approaches, very childish approaches, even at the highest levels of physics, even at the highest levels of government, even at the highest levels of Philosophical elite. These are the great minds that have supposedly come and conquered through the narrative of the, phil- the the great philosophers. And why are they valuable? Why are they valuable when they haven't? they been atheist philosophers. They have worked to not only suggest there is no truth. Okay, but they've gone down this postmodernist thing that. The reason we don't know is there it isn't there isn't a thing to be known. This is just our illusion that w- that there is this knowledge. Okay? So the postmodernist is he's basically working off this fundamental absurdity that appears in the language. Okay, then so throw them away, take them <sighs> grab all the postmodernists. Throw the books in the bin because really, you know, what do you need them for? I'm saying to you, you don't need these guys anymore because they aren't even analytical, and they aren't giving you anything valuable to cherish.
1: No hope in that,
0: okay? But this is this is different. This because this is a philosophy of hope in the truth and the freedom okay, it's made by the, like that by the law, and we're just sharing it we've just, we're just explored it, I've just been exploring away for decades and lifetimes before that perhaps, you know and it isn't necessarily an easy thing to do if it was an easy thing to do I don't see why it hasn't been done but I'm making it very easy here, so here's it. Here's a way of making something that is difficult easy and this means that when you when I'm finished with you you'll be a better philosopher than the philosophers that are in the world today because this is how you will be you you must be more excellent than that what is in the world today they won't contend with you either because you will have understanding that they are being fundamentally confused by, confounded by. It's only once you work out how you're being confounded that you manage to not be confounded. And so that's what we're doing. And once you realize that, you do realize it. You realize it and you go, aha. I see. Okay. We were were just talking about uh, what the value is. Now, when a person dies, there's a... We treat that person um, ethically before they die. And we treat them if they were alive, rather abominably, if they once they're dead as a corpse we bury them because they start to rot now when we apply ethics to something or someone which is essentially ethics is is uh, a rational system by which life is favoured over non-life and life is favoured over non-life, as per its various reasons why life would flourish. So, your non-ethical um, activities revolve around life, but life, like as we have said, we have um, we have stated three fundamental conditions that are they're unified in, in life because you you can't have one without the other. But they are from where we are, we we can experience them as as diverse because we have a void. Right? So we have a void and we we can say life is to be conscious and Life is to sense your existence. Now, you can't sense your existence without the consciousness, can you? And you can't sense your form, your freedom, without the consciousness. And you can't realize your, your freedom without your existence. So, how can there be a, a state of life that hasn't got its particular state, its particular description as I've described it. Now, that means life isn't essentially different because it's conscious and it exists, but still you are. You have a mind. And as we've discussed with the mind, you must move in a progression just as you do through the day and the night. So as you move through the progression of your mind which we've also discussed before, question, answer, question, answer, question, answer. What do you experience and how is this truth somehow dividable? How can I or you and uh, how can we understand this in a geometry, because an a rational geometry, which we are binding in two, fundamental lateral and actual um, vertical contradictions because our geometry is a rationally funded geometry and it's a geometry of experience which we experience as facets of a whole experience which we have language, which we use as a coordinate system so we can communicate to each other about our experience. And that works quite well. So we all use a coordinate system, we all use a language. You have a coordinate system just like what I'm explaining. Okay, now if if my coordinate system isn't authentic, your coordinate system wouldn't be something similar to it and it, I- it is similar to it because it is a you've got a coordinate system with your own la-
1: language
0: and meanings and context which explains the interpersonal relationship between the object and the subject. Okay, and all the um, propositions start. Firstly, we have questions which aren't. Um, they don't have a. We can't say if a question is true or false, and then we have propositions which we can say is true or false, which we do say it. have. They have soundness in, as a logical form in in. In them. Now the premises of the propositions ultimately determine if the, the proposition is true or false. Even if the proposition is um, true, sound, even if the proposition is sound, if the premises are false, then the proposition is only going to give you logic. So logic still comes in neutral here, look. So we've got a, we've got the, we've got various expi- um, terms and i they keep coming up popping up like oh look that logic is neutral and the truth it determines whether or not that logic will work for you okay now we're talking about consciousness now is it is it that we are going to get a scientist to explain consciousness to us, is it? Because if, if it was a scientist who was going to explain consciousness to us, they might be in possession of that, aren't they? How do they all be? Because, I mean, they're the guys in possession of uh, heavy plutonium, and they can explain an atom to us, and we don't have plutonium, so, of course, they must have machinery, apparatus, where they can test that plutonium and tell us about that plutonium because we need them because they are essentially explaining a piece of nature that we don't have. But what's consciousness there? Because we do possess. We are the possessor of the consciousness. We don't need a scientist to tell us what consciousness is because we can mount our own investigation. And what do we do? How do we approach what we possess? Now, when we have scientists right, telling us the nature of consciousness, and we have philosophers telling us the nature of consciousness, and various people telling us the nature of consciousness. You do not need anyone to tell you about these things. You don't need to trust this opinion or that opinion. You need to get those opinions and fundamentally understand them as ontology based rational lines of reasoning which do which deliver a a an illusion and a truth. Because the the illusion ultimately will be the consciousness given that your original premise is the obverse of the most subtle and ephemeral possession which we may encounter such that the massive, uh, the massive um, coordination of the quantum physics particles something akin to a quantum computer inside the brain that generates a communication, creates the consciousness and it's an illusion that that there is this real consciousness. The consciousness is just the effect of the cause which is, of course, as science is always going to tell you, a physical system. Now, you can you will have evidence, to, you'll have a rational evidence because of your line of reasoning about reality that will indicate that to you, even if you're sensible. okay? Because you've got neutral reasoning only. Your reasoning isn't going to save you. Your premise is what saves you. Your reasoning is just has to be sound. Now, sound reasoning can deliver an illusionary consciousness. But the premise is what we need to examine, and that's an ontological premise. We start our starting point. And this is why very intellectual people who have mathematical abilities well beyond mine and they have years of dedicated... um, cultivation of knowledge with all the world has to throw at them and the best universities come up with total shite okay? they come up with a false story feat for the world that the world goes, mm, doesn't quite make sense or it doesn't feel right and it doesn't feel right because it's false, okay, that's false that's a fallacy a fallacy is when one puts in a certainty as a premise and then that isn't a an certainty, and this is called a fallacy from ignorance. That is essentially the fallacy from ignorance is that the, the thing that science hasn't yet found, because science hasn't found substance that it can. You see, science finds a relative degree of substance and points in a direction with an arrow pointing, there's a substance here which is a more pure expression of everything that is. So we go down to our quarks, our leptons, our muons, uh, our gluons, our hadrons, and, and what do we find? I mean, we find quarks have a triangularity to them. So, you know, what what do we have a, uh, a progression, a left-handedness, a right-handedness, we have a, Charge, and we have a, um, a non, we have a a massless neutrino, and we have this, and we have that. Now, what's a neutrino? You know, like a n- n- I haven't indulged myself in particle physics, but I definitely could place these particles into another system if I wished, if I wanted to, if I, if I spent some amount of work doing so. But I haven't. But look, the same categories are going to appear because when you fundamentally tear apart something to its essence, as a quantum physicist has done, he's finding various um create uh, fundamental structures. All right. Now, the same with your wave-particle duality. Your, your, you've got identity and. Particle. Okay. Um, now, ontologically, the the wave that the scientist needs to put into his equation is it's not an it's an ideal category. Okay. But he, he hasn't accepted that. Now, there's other things that happen in our mathematics, like imaginary numbers. Okay. Imaginary numbers and real numbers. You know, an imaginary number is negative one. It's not a real number. It's not a real number, but it, we need this number to make a, a real mathematical prediction, a real mathematical solution. So we've got a lot of strange situations arising within our mathematics, within our physics, and within our... Um, just science generally as we especially as we move to the extremes which is a field as a field is expressed as i'm expressing it because anyone moving to the extremes of the field is going to find especially someone like physicists which are not just a people but they that's a entire army of intellectuals Okay um, who are trying to nut out strategies or a theory of everything which they want desperately um, because they they have their reasons and it, it really isn't as important as it is to them to us it isn't as important to the rice farmer in Indonesia that happen because the rice moment in Indonesia isn't going to have the reflected glory that the physicist in MIT or somewhere has when he nuts out his equation that is the theory of everything and even though they say it's a theory of everything they are telling you the theory of uh, the physics the physical equations that they they, they, they have fundamental problems with it, right? Because you can't... You have a Big Bang, right? Let's say so you've got a Big Bang, but then what do you... Now, a Big Bang is a reductionist situation. We're avoiding the same thing. We're reducing mm-hmm. all the expansion to a conclusion. This is pure reductionism in the extreme. And it, it, it has an entire universe that comes to a very small point. Now that's a very small point is is there because scientists cannot extend the field beyond the thing. So a very dense, low entropy, interesting, you know, low entropy particle, which is really, really small, they can assure you of that, is explodes in the biggest explosion ever and that is what happened to the universe. Okay. All right, now, that is pure reasoning, or oh, let me say that for a start. Now, there's no reason not to trust the reasoning from where it began and it's process. But don't be um, mistaken by the confidence of the scientific community, okay? I, from my perspective... I, I could su- suggest that the the universe is a little look, not a big bang. It was a little look. There was a little look by a, in, an infinitely potent personal being whom has been testimonial. There's testimonial knowledge of him scattered through the history of humanity and there's theological knowledge that suggests that there is such a being and there's s- some sort of energy anod- anecdotal evidence of this uh, all manner of supernatural experiences and there's all so- sorts of inferences we can make and then there's this and that that says maybe such a being existed and that that being had a little look and that little look was what we might call the Big Bang right now there isn't any reason why a little look at a Big Bang the same thing, it's just that one person is shining his light from a a different ontology and explaining a creation, and one person is shining his light from a different ontology and explaining his creation. So we go through these, um, basically through these monads, again and again and again. And when we find the most elegant and the most functionally accurate predictive facilities, such as, let's say, wave particle duality, we find we're introducing into wave particle duality not just pure identity, okay? We're factoring in knowledge. We have to include knowledge because the the particle, the Schrodinger equation is such that while you're not observing the particle, it's a wave, but when you're observing it, it becomes a particle. So you can't ever know of it before you observe it. As you observe it, it becomes realised into its Particle. Now, um, look, at really, your your birth and death are something that you can use to understand uh, the particle phase of the, the equation. And your life after death you can use to explain your afterlife um, because here is the same set of expressions that have to be included in every system. Okay, and not that they, they they could be included, okay. We're not saying they, they oh, we could include them, we're saying they have to be included. There's a big difference between should or could and must need to be included. All that isn't realised is that science doesn't realise it needs the equation it needs include identity because <laughs> science isn't in the in the in the process in the uh, occupation of being an epistemolo- epistemologist. Okay, a a field is justified in opposite by an opposite means as Per where you are in the field, and just like because you've got an experience, you have a, you have facets of experience. You don't justify your soul or your consciousness. You don't justify your primary beingness as empirically. You you do experience your body, etc., but your body is somehow removed it's a it's a thing that you can't control totally you control mindly but then you have a, a, a mind which you you think you can control quite well and there again we, we seem to have issue. but then what you do you can control then is reducing a very much Two, the thing that you can, you can control is at some point you can say that I wanna put my finger here and that. I wanna do I can believe this and I can believe that. We think we can we can control the very right. most internal parts of ourselves, our beliefs, our attention. We can control our attention, we can control our the most fundamental under control, parts of us, our eyelids our fingertips our breath to some extent Right, so the experiences you're having you have justification for but the, the justification for your experiences don't come in the same by the same means so you have an epistemological justification or your knowing. You know because you know, not because science tells you you know, not because science has got some proof for you or some empirical evidence you know. You know because you know. Now that is not a weak justification. That is not a circular argument. It is a circular argument. It necessarily would be and is circular because there isn't anywhere for it to extend out away from its premise. It is it is holding firm to its premise. And this is all the the extension of a of an idea out away from its tautology, which is where we've, we've gone before. Now matter is matter. Right? Matter is Matter uh, knowledge is uh, justified true belief. Uh, consciousness is uh, what's well consciousness. Okay, what well identity is identity? A equals A. I is I. And anyway, you, it's a circular argument, but your epistemology is there justifying your necessity. The necessity. Now every justification. Is an epistemological justification. Scientific evidence is an epistemological necessity, according to these various reasons, which are in this order: one, necessity itself, pure necessity; two, rationalism; three, empirical evidence. If you're imp- if you're justifying a scientific reality, you're even if it's irrational it doesn't necessarily refute it, right? Now, but if you're expressing a logical um, justification, it has to fundamentally abide by a principle, which is the law of non-contradiction, essentially. okay, All this logic, all this knowledge, all this extension out into... Mathematics, uh, construction of axioms, the laws of nature, they all abide by fundamental conditional justification here, ultimately. And now, someone's going to, some expert is going to try to say otherwise to you, okay? But we're not going to, it's not going to make a proof. He's going to appeal to authority in some sense and go I'm, this this is the most experienced logician in the world and of course scientists know that logic is not, etc, etc Don't believe them necessarily because well I would like to contend with them, but I, I'm not going to here right now because I don't know what arguments they're going to appear, uh, provide. Not, they, they, they can't essentially make argument because if you have no logic then you cannot discern sensibly any matter. So I, I, a person cannot make an argument It, it logic is so the arguments against logic are absurd all right, and they are necessarily absurd. So you you're undermining logic with pure absurdity only. And when you undermine something with pure absurdity, you end up with this feedback loop we call it an absurd feedback loop Where is the absurd continues, that that is a whole subject in itself. What we are talking about here is these experiences, these fundamental ontologies. Whom we we were discussing consciousness, and, and that that we've got people in the world, rationalists, philosophers, okay, and scientists telling us where we need to go. What is this consciousness? Well, look, I'm a neurosurgeon and I'm the expert and I'm a physicist, of course, and I'm this and I'm that. No, they're not the experts. The expert is the conscious entity. And the conscious entity has its own facility. The conscious entity closes its eyes and retracts its attention away from the objects of which the consciousness is conscious Towards the consciousness itself. That is your investigation, okay? That's your inference. You're referring to that consciousness. And the question you are asking is who am I? Who am I? Continue asking that question. Because this is your fundamental premise, your questioning premise. Who am I? Who am I? Now I then this is as you make your decision. Okay, you're going, this is your inference. First you're making your induction. This is your scientific um, logic Okay, then you make your inference, which is your ideal metalogic. Your inference is at some point going, who am I, who am I? I am letting go of what I know because if I don't let go of my conception. I can't make room for the next conception. So you have to let go and acquire, let go and acquire as you think. Every moment you have to do this and this inference is the letting go. Okay, now That is particularly affiliated with the consciousness that we have. Okay? And when we sail past that consciousness in some sense to the identity, whom is the I, okay? The identity is the I, the whom we think we are the decider. And the decider decides upon a matter with a pattern recognition, which is a conceptual, perceptual ability. The decider takes the notion and contrasts it from what it's not to the extent that... Um, decider has the ability to conceptually grapple with these concepts and objects Um, and to some extent that wrestling match with objects is something we all do and the wrestling match with the concepts is something that is more difficult the reason it is more difficult is because as one is taking a concept and trying to discern it from what it's not to understand it, it needs to understand its opposition in a field of possible concepts. It needs a, some sort of a foundationalism, and it needs a, it needs a sense of opposition. And we cannot actually get the opposition uh, working. Because we don't have an opposition, an authentic opposition. Because, for a variety of reasons, which is the principal reason, is because we have this, this word existence, and we're placing existence, the reality of existence in the. We we express existence as us a a thing. That is what existence is. Existence is the all that exists, that, that that exists. And this is where the existence becomes something we don't have an opposite for. The opposite we have for is the imagination. So all the things that exist are existent and all the imaginary things are imaginary. But, in fact, existence is the opposite of the things that exist. Existence is the sense of being, not the, uh, not the experience of the being. So you exist when you're awake. Your existence isn't more real because you're asleep. Your existence is just not realised when you're asleep because you've become the object. If the object was the existence, then you would be feeling like you don't exist when you're awake, but that's the opposite of how you feel. So if if existence was the reality of existence was actually founded in your physicality, the expression of your physicality as opposed to your ideology, your idealism, your imagination, would be being asleep, and there you would sense your existence, wouldn't you? But do you? Mm. No, you don't sense your existence when you're asleep. Your your sleep is the contrary to your sense of your existence. Your existence, now desk Descartes, who has provided his, um, his, I think, therefore I exist, was once asked about this, in fact, and he he also said, no, if you're asleep, would you? No, he said, no, you, you wouldn't be so sure that you are asleep, or, you know, you wouldn't have this sense of existence. That's because existence then we have to place, we have to tear it out of where it's being attracted to gravitationally by our ignorance and move it to our imagination. Okay? Now the thing about existence and consciousness are being living things that should be, because they're the same, right? They're unified. They're, they're true. They're true. They're not only true. They're absolutely true. Is that you're even even though there is a challenge to existence in the in the fact that you're asleep, it's not as if there is an authentic challenge to existence. It's just a dualism challenge, a challenge in it bound in a dualism. Existence isn't ultimately challenged by um, an opposite because it has no opposite. It's Its non-existence is its opposite, not the thing. But the thing seems to be the challenge to the existence. Now, this is what we find in old age, because we've got our categories, again, in another system. And we're putting the thing, the entropy, the gravity, the old age, the three o'clock in the morning in this category, Okay, And this we're calling the mode of ignorance. Now... The mode of ignorance is something that the sages gave us. The sages gave us the absolute truth, and they gave us the three modes of material nature. The thing is that they are modes of—they um, are modes of material nature that aren't systematically placed into a grander narrative the way of placing them in the opposition between the absolute truth and the. the modes is also not something that's realised this is knowledge that's been lost ancient knowledge that's been lost anciently, a long time ago now this may not have even been, but all I'm saying that is because it's in various scriptures about what was lost, something that was lost and this is something I found here so what I'm saying to you is that yes your life you value in that living thing that you then you put in the ground when it dies that living being is the life in the living being so you but the life in the living being your is the freedom the being has the awareness of itself and the consciousness that the existence of its sense of its existence Now, so how do you how do you, as a being, pursue that existence as opposed to how do you pursue that consciousness? And what I'm saying to you is how are we going to get a lateral ideal, uh, an ideal, right? So we, we've talked about a lateral rational contradiction across across the great divide between nature and God identity and nature right form and formless something and nothing right we're, we're going to take a we've got to get a we've got to get a, a lateral contradiction in the ideal realm and how we're going how we're going to do that right is to exp- explain that if, if you take a con- the consciousness and consider how you might pursue that consciousness, just like you're taking a bit of manner and you're pursuing that, because this is the same process, but it's a reductionist system taken in an appropriate means in the epistemological quadrant of the inferring facet of experience and you're going to pursue that consciousness, what are you going to do? You're going to meditate. So look, That's what people have done. And that's the meditative state. That is a fundamental spiritual path. Okay? But if you're going to pursue the existence, okay, are you doing, are you pursuing that existence as a meditator? Well, you're pursuing the existence of the consciousness, but you're, when you, the decider stands between your inference and your realization, okay? Which comes out as a deduction. So you're, uh, you have you've taken what it, something is from w- what it isn't, and you're imagining your existence. You are necessarily imagining who, what, where you exist as. Okay, so there we have the mind expressed laterally across the hemispheres of it in a question with an answer. Existence and consciousness. Question, consciousness, answer, existence, imagination. Down we go into rationalism because the deduction feeds naturally into a rationalism which for the part is the mechanics of our abstract system, right, into a form. And we have a memory, we have a brain, and a brain is a storage device. So we have an object, we have our object, we have our our abstract system, we have a process by which we can continue this process up induction with induction, inference, decision, and then we have imagination, deduction. An imaginary process is a deductive facility, right? And then we have our rationalism, which is also somewhere between the imagination and the the mind. There is a duality. Somehow, a duality has to form. This is duality of birth. It's the same duality. The imagination is is a a grander. Uh, Creation, but it's still binding itself in a, in a deduction. It, it's just that it doesn't form into a pure deduction mechanism until we integrate it. So we, we cross a duality here, and there. we cross a duality on the way to our inference because we're letting go. So we have to let go of the world to make the inference, right? And we have to, because the decider. Isn't of the world. The decider is the possessor, the proprietor. The world is the. The, the things of the world are the. Which we think the world is. You know, the world owns the decider, but the decider in the world. The decider is the, is the only. It, it hasn't got the quantifiable. Um, evidence that it exists, okay? And it, you would think, oh, but the world is, is making a very impressive, quantifiable um, proof of itself. Yes, it is. But the, the decider is making a very strong, qualifiable proof of itself. And the, the decider isn't, doesn't need to quantify itself. If the decider quantified itself, it would be making a proof of the world. The decider isn't there to prove the world. The decider is the opposition. The decider is what is resisting the world. And it does. It is actually, literally resisting the world. No logician, no scientist can oppose the epistemological value of the qualifier. The qualifier and the quantita, the quanta quanta qualia. Okay? Here's another terminology for us to explore. What hasn't happened is that the the idealist hasn't made his categories hasn't divided the mind up into its imaginary and its inference, because there's a third, which is the mo- which is the part that we how we make this fundamentally practical, because if we only have our categories of life being an expression of um, expression of idealism. We we've got this evidence here that we have this physical world and we've got this other evidence that we've got an ideal world. But what we do actually have isn't such a thing. What we've got is a truth in the middle of this material world because we have a present moment. We don't we have a past, we have a future, we have a present, and we have a um a freedom in this world, and we have a form. Now, a form is a pattern but it's. It, 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 it's perhaps more we could say a sound makes a form. So you've got a you've got a thing in itself. You've got a a mathematical equation, and in the middle you have a, a sound, a vibration, or a a resonance. Now some in this situation we, we we are looking for a means by which to um, we have to make this fundamentally cause an effect. We can't have a an idea just being a thing. Right? So we have to be enough, practical enough, not just a philosopher we have to you know satisfy this scientific uh, affiliation so we've got forget this thing to create this illusion and we have to somehow break this illusion down because it, I mean not only is matter only a sixth of the entire universe. Um, the mass in the universe the, what we know of is matter, the suns, the stars, the black holes but the the experience of a particle or that we have as a wave particle duality is still really only a sixth of the equation that science has even given us of what a thing is the equation that scientists have given us of a thing is a pure duality so it's it's not impossible for us to embrace duality. Scientists are uh, dualists. They can't be dualists because they haven't got an ontology to support their obverse duality. And Philosophers are dualists but they don't really have an ontology to support their obverse reality because when they create a set of realities with two converse ontologies in it, that set of realities becomes absurd by the opposition in it. Now this is always going to be the problem that a a, real, a reality theorist, although I don't know if there's many of them around anymore, but is going to uh, face. Okay, so I'm a reality theorist, but I'm not a theorist. A theorist is a scientist. I'm a I'm creating axioms here. These are laws of thought that are axioms. Because you don't build a theory of mind, you build a axiomatic rendering of what is a picture of mind. Anyway, look, I have only have an hour at a time here and I'm, I'm, I think that's a fair call too because I'm not wanting to... Um, Brain. so I, look, I'm, I don't, I don't think we even got to what I was starting to talk about, but I'll continue on another day. But Hari Krishna.